At Morgan Stanley, old school hard work meets bold new thinking. At 88 years old, we still see the world with the wonder of new eyes, helping you discover untapped possibilities and relentlessly working with you to make them real. Old school grit, new world ideas. Morgan Stanley. To learn more, visit morganstanley.com slash why us. Investing involves risk. Morgan Stanley Smith Barney, LLC. Bring in show music, please. Hi, I'm CNBC producer Cameron Costa. Today on Squawk Pod, wake up. September has ended and it wasn't the prettiest. Terrible, horrible, no good, very bad month of September. Plus, is Credit Suisse on the brink of a Lehman moment? The banking concerns rippling across the entire globe. Saturday morning, I got a phone call from somebody who said, are you following, are you paying attention to this? Do you remember 2008? And Kim Kardashian, how her $250,000 post ended up costing her $1.3 million. SEC Chair Gary Gensler. This is about an influencer, a high-profile celebrity, on their Instagram site putting out a tout for this token Ethereum Max, which is a security. The US regulator putting all celebs on watch. And if somebody is touting a crypto security token, are they getting paid and how much are they getting paid? And we brought a case against Floyd Mayweather, against DJ Khalid, Steve Seagal, an actor. Those stories, a Hurricane Ian recap, and the global oil markets, all on today's podcast. It's Monday, October 3rd, 2022, and Squawk Pod begins right now. Stand back you by in three, two, one, cue please. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC. We are live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Becky Quick, along with Joe Kernan and Andrew Ross Sorkin. And just to kind of get a feel of where things stand at this point, let's take a look at how the major indexes closed out the third quarter. The Dow was down by 6.66%. Not a great number, 6.66. It was its third negative quarter in a row. S&P was down by 5.3%. The NASDAQ was off by 4.1%. But it really... um, saw a crescendo in the month of September. If you take a look at what happened for the month of September, uh, the Dow was off by 8.8%. The S&P was down by 9.3%. And the NASDAQ was off by 10.5%. So you were talking about some very significant losses that last quarter of the, uh, the last month of the quarter. For the co- quarter, the Dow transports were hit especially hard. They were down by more than 8% for the quarter. And of course, the dollar index was up for the quarter. It was up more than 7%. That's a big concern for multinationals. I heard Dom talking earlier this morning about Mike Wilson's note over the weekend. Mike Wilson says that for every 1% increase in the dollar index, that's a decline of about a half a percent for S&P 500 earnings. So that's something to watch pretty closely, too. Let me tell you about this other story. I stayed up, unfortunately, until about 11 o'clock last night on the phone, and this was an all-weekend situation. Um, Here we are. Shares of Credit Suisse plunging this after the Financial Times, and really a a tweet, actually, that that, that went out from uh, somebody on a Friday, actually, is what really led to this. The bank's executives there over the weekend in talks with major investors tried to reassure them that the Swiss lender's financial health uh, is okay. They've been trying to downplay this idea of a possible Lehman moment. That followed reports on Friday that the Swiss lender is looking to raise capital. The bank telling Reuters it is in the process of a strategy review that includes potential divestitures, asset sales, and then an announcement 
could come, or I shouldn't say could come, is expected on October 27th. So market calendar, I'll explain that in a second when it releases third quarter results. One potential scenario would include the bank largely exiting the U.S. market. But literally, I would say starting Saturday morning, I got a phone call from somebody who said, are you, follow, are you paying attention to this? Do you remember 2008? I mean, it was talked about. I mean, this weekend was sort I of... I hate a, throwing it, those terms No, around. I know. It sort of was a ruined weekend uh, for me. I don't think we're in 2008, uh, having now made enough calls on it, but I will tell you where I think we are. So Credit Suisse now, the market cap of Credit Suisse is now under $10 billion. Uh, CDS spread, credit uh, default swaps, have completely uh, jumped on this news. Stock's down in total about 60%. Now, the CEO over the weekend, I've seen the memo now that's gone out talking points effectively for all the wealth managers, uh, said, look, uh, stock price is not our liquidity position. Um, sources are telling me that the liquidity position of the company is actually looks very similar to what the liquidity position of the company was at the end of the second quarter. If that is the case, we're talking about about 727 billion francs. That's about $735 billion. That would be the liquidity position. Um, if you look at some of the reporting on that, that would mean a, there's about $160 billion in cash if the mix is the same. And I don't know if the mix is the same. The, the concern, though, is between now and October 27th, if in fact the company is going to be selling down assets, there's the securitization business, there's trying to get this investment bank to be, quote, asset light, you'd be selling those things at a fire sale, A, that's, that's an issue. The other issue is if the, the business is a, therefore a wealth management business. It is very possible, and I don't want to uh, get involved in the idea of a bank run, but what happens in times like this are you know, if you're in the wealth management business yes, and you have, a, you, have your, you have your account there, even if you've had your account there for 50 years, you call up your guy and you say, you know what, I know we've had this great relationship for 50 years, I love you, but the truth is I'd like, to move, I'd like to move with, my money. That's the danger with talking about this stuff. No, it's no. a self-fulfilling prophecy to dig too deep into it. And the, the idea that people keep calling it a Lehman moment is concerning. But, but I think that the issue, run on the bank by of course, so. but I think the issue is, by the way, and, and I've already gotten calls this morning about it, you are starting to see little bits of that. The hope, of course, is that those wealth managers can keep that money there and that whatever this plan is that you eventually see, and of course, you know, they hired a new CEO to run the company. He's a restructuring expert. And the idea is that he's going to try to restructure this company. You have to believe that they get to the 27th and that on the 27th, whatever this plan is, that people love the plan. I, I, although I and tell so you what, they, they keep saying the they're issues. not going to say this till the 27th. They need to pre-announce their earnings and they need to come up with a plan quickly. Well, like the idea that you're going to stick around for well, the that's, next that's three the, and a half, four weeks. That's the other issue. So the 27th is... It, it's the, their earnings. The date is the earnings yeah. date. And the question is, can they wait that long? And this is when you start to... I don't want to invoke Lehman Brothers, but you start to think about, if you remember, they brought up their plan early. Well, we spent last week talking about whether there's anything under the surface that we don't know about. Yeah, we brought up even, remember Cyprus, remember the Thai buy, yep. or even closer, maybe long-term capital, LTCM. Right. I mean, that, wasn't, that was no Credit Suisse, and that right. still cast a, a Look, a I think at the moment Credit Suisse is it seems just, safe did they just, until it's not. Is it specific to Credit Suisse, or is it, that, is is it okay, it's not an well, overall. The other European banks after are that all month, down this morning. Right, right. After I that think you look at Deutsche Bank, and look, there's been lots of risks taken in all of these places. I don't think the risks that they've taken are what Lehman Brothers was taking. I mean, these were not assets... The, you know, no, no, terribly no. risky assets. The, the bigger issue is just whether you keep your money there. there. Now, the other piece is when you keep your money there, a lot of people would say, look, most of the stuff is in stocks, so it should be safe, right? It should, it's in equities or other assets. should be safe. 
And the truth is, it should be safe. It shouldn't be going anywhere. Having said that, if you remember, in the context of Lehman at the time, everybody got those assets back, but they were frozen for a period. And so this is the conversation well, that it's investors about in confidence. Europe that and, have and, their and, money and there what, are talking about. It wasn't about. just Lehman. I mean, Bear Stearns had a moment, too. And Merrill Lynch had to be sold. Remember, Greg Flynn, maybe it didn't have to be, but it seemed like a good move at the time. And it's still... You know, I saw Andy Seagat at the laboratory. It's still part of Bank of America. It's By not way, Merrill Lynch. You know what the anymore. chairman's name is? Of uh, credit What? Lehman. That's fun. Uh, um, I'm worried about, so what, what does the ring say today? You were up till 11? I mean, how bad is, oh, what are yeah, we in no, for, I'm, for the next stress, three hours? High stress. High huh? stress. I, well, I have not looked at the aura rings. Uh, is it? Prediction on how I'm doing. Though I did get some sleep Saturday night. I was proud of that. I went to sleep early. So maybe it, it might, here it's updating Look, right the, the situation, the other, the other yeah, issue that they've so. got with Credit Suisse Doing is okay. they are, trying, to, they oh, are trying to answer some questions. There have been questions raised about Great. whether the bank is going to have to exit the U.S. And they had a spokesperson right. that actually said, no, we're not exiting the U.S., which again, which is why they need to bring up this October 27th right. deadline. You can't wait that long to tell people when there are all these rumors about what I happened. Because to your be, point, each right. of those businesses become worth right. less over the amount of time. I don't think they're going to exit the U.S. I think what the goal is to try to make this as capital light a business. As possible but they can't respond to some try to rumors and not others. Business. So this is the issue. Uh, as you said, look, these things do become self-fulfilling prophecies. You don't want them to become self-fulfilling prophecies at the same time. Well, you I have want to it to be about Credit Suisse. I don't want it to be one of these things that happen after what I'm calling a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad month. Of September. Did yes. someone use that already? No, that's pretty good, though. I like it. I tweeted it out. That's good. Oil prices are jumping after OPEC+. Plus. Delegates said that the group is considering a production cut of more than a million barrels a day. They didn't really call them slumping prices because you can't call these prices slumping when they're in the mid-80s. Mid-80s is fine for these but, guys. But again, they get, What, they got four Rolexes on their wrists instead of three? For the month, it was down 11.2% for WTI. For the quarter, it was down 25%. Doesn't matter. It's $82 a bill. That's fair. Um, but they wanted up in mid-90s, probably. Such a move would put further pressure on uh, Western consumers struggling with high energy costs and help Russia fill its state coffers as it wages war with Ukraine. Are we still, we may, should we be buying here for our SPR? Well, that selling? was the question. We got down to $77, I think, and we were going to buy below $80. We may have missed that moment with this news coming out of OPEC. But by the way, they're having a meeting to talk about this. The Russians would like a million, maybe more, barrels per day cut. Saudis, I don't think we're on board with that just yet, but I think they're softening it up in case they go ahead with a half a million barrel per day cut. Um, you talk about those higher extremes. Uh, but yes, giving the Russians what they want right now. That, that great relationship between else. Saudi and the U.S. Yeah. is really coming through here. Right. The other story that's going on in, with, in Europe with the energy crisis right now is the windfall tax that they are putting on a lot of the energy companies. The U.K. has not done that yet. Right. but. Um, other countries have. Hurricane Ian's destruction marks it as one of the country's strongest and costliest U.S. storms. The hurricane has claimed dozens of lives with the death toll still rising. And the $47 billion in insured losses is expected at this point, although it's hard to really get your arms around what's been happening there without seeing this for yourself. Our next guest runs one of the nation's largest disaster recovery companies. We want to bring in Belfour Holdings CEO Sheldon Yellen. 
They are mobilizing manpower, equipment, and resources to parts of Florida that were impacted by Hurricane Ian. And thank you for being here, Sheldon. What what have you seen so far? Well, the obviously the devastation that's taken place is what a lot of people see on the television. Um, the toll that this event takes on people's lives, and think about it, the destruction to your home, most people's largest investment, uh, people's lives are turned upside down. The death we've unfortunately heard about, um, but the tragedies of people's lives, people have worked their whole lives to have retirement homes. How do they rebuild from here? And I think that's where people need to listen to the authorities. Number one is safety. They cannot go back into their homes or to their homes uh, until the authorities say it's safe. You got to remember, you've got down power lines, you've got water, water and power together. That's that's a disaster waiting to happen. And so you got to listen to the authorities. You've got to document everything. Becky, you just mentioned the insurance losses. Each individual person has their own loss that they're responsible for. You have got to document, you got to take pictures, you got to recall everything that you had, and you got to be patient. You cannot do this in a day, a week, or a month. This is gonna take a long process to rebuild. It will get rebuilt. The more documentation you have, the better. I would advise people to make sure when you're hiring people, make sure that they're licensed, check it out. Do not give upfront advance money. Be patient, go through the process properly, document, make sure you're working with a reputable firm, make sure your insurance company is in contact with you, stay in contact with them, communication's key, but number one, safety. Even at Belfort, safety's our number one priority. We presently have 1,400 people dispatched to Florida. We have uh, 75 more leaving today, 75 the next day, 75 the day after that. Everybody is going with food and water. Don't let yourself get stranded without water available to you. When you go back into your neighborhood, you will not have access to water because all of the retail stores are down. So I think there's a lot for people to take in. And I, I would encourage everybody, please respect those heroic first responders who are there risking their lives to make it safe for you. Please respect them. Sheldon, one, one thing I'd ask, I mean, I think not just the severity of the damage, but the massive swath of damage. I mean, Ian is still causing flooding up the eastern seaboard at this point. It just right. what does this compare to in terms of disasters you've seen in the past? So, again, I've been working hurricanes since Hurricane Hugo in South Carolina 30 some years ago. And the <clears throat> the wrath of this storm extending throughout Florida, parts of South Carolina, North Carolina, Virginia, all the way up to the Northeast. It's enormous. And we have offices, permanent offices, obviously, in all of these states that have been mobilized and people coming in so far <clears throat> from 39 other states, uh, we've sent reinforcement. Again, I think as you find a problem with your building, with your home, please make safety the number one priority. Do not ask people to just walk in. Be careful, make sure the power is cut off. If you have access to your water lines, cut off the water and wait till you know it's safe because the last thing anybody needs is additional devastation in the way of a life. 
Sheldon, I want to thank you very much. It is obviously early days, but uh, your employees are going to see this firsthand, and we appreciate the update from you. Thank you. Bye. Coming up on Squawk Pod, what do Kim Kardashian, the Ethereum Max token, and the Securities and Exchange Commission all have in common? Well, a nearly $1.3 million legal settlement. Oh, and this next interview. Why Kim Kardashian's Instagram post wasn't legal, but Elon Musk's Bitcoin tweets are? When you see uh, a post from uh, whether it's Elon Musk or uh, Mr. Saylor or uh, Matt Damon in ad, you know, what, what the distinctions and differences are. Chair of the SEC Gary Gensler joins us to explain the case and warn other celebs. If you're advertising perfume or you're advertising vacation homes, there are various laws related to that. But these are the securities laws. And those other laws might be appropriate to just say hashtag ad. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration. Our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Support for this program is provided by Chevron. Demand for energy is projected to continue rising in the future. To help keep up, Chevron is increasing their U.S. oil and gas production. And they're innovating to help do it responsibly across their operations, including their Gulf of Mexico facilities, which are some of the world's lowest carbon intensity operations, helping supply energy that's affordable, reliable, and ever cleaner. That's energy in progress. Learn more at chevron.com slash meeting demand. You're listening to Squawk Pod. Good morning and welcome back to Squawk Box right here on CNBC. We're live at the NASDAQ market site in Times Square on this Monday morning. I'm Andrew Ross Sorkin along with Becky Quick and Joe Kernan. New this morning, the SEC charging Kim Kardashian for a post on her Instagram last year that endorsed a crypto asset sold by Ethereum Max without disclosing how much she was paid to promote it. The SEC is saying that Kardashian has agreed to settle the charges. She's going to be paying more than a million dollars in penalties. In fact, she's going to pay uh, $1.26 million. She is cooperating with an ongoing investigation. Uh, she's also agreed, we should tell you, uh, to not promote any crypto securities for the next three years as part of this. She was paid $250,000 at the time uh, for that sponsored payment. And interestingly, she had hashtag ad on the, uh, the post uh, which is typically what uh, folks do to disclose that they are advertisements. Of course, this raises all sorts of questions about uh, the rules of the road, what the law really is. Um, clearly, uh, at some level, she's being made an example of, in part, uh, to uh, influence others not to do the same. But we've been asking the question when you see uh, a post from uh, whether it's Elon Musk or uh, Mr. Saylor or uh, Matt Damon in an ad, you know, what, what the distinctions and differences are. And I think we're going to get into all of that uh, when we have our exclusive interview with Gary Gensler in just a little bit. I, I think um, it, it, it makes sense. Look, maybe the way of doing it on, on these social platforms is to say hashtag ad. But that's clearly not as much of a, a nod as you would get if you're doing an ad in the Super Bowl. And you know that this is a crypto ad that's being paid for by the company. Um, 
again, I, I tend to think that anything these social influencers are promoting are things that they're making money off if they're not being paid right. outright, that they've got something coming it's, back into the coffers. Without admitting but, or denying, is that little... Uh, it's without admitting or denying. And the interesting component, though, is this idea that if you say it's an ad, does it count as an ad? And uh, I was uh, just looking at it. You can barely see it. It's well, at the but bottom. It's the first, well, that's, but that's how they do it. And the, fir mad, it's the first time, though, I've ever seen where you have to disclose how much you're being paid, which to me is actually an interesting component. Right. If that is the rule, that's an interesting rule. Maybe you have to have some kind of second disclosure. I mean, my, my knee-jerk reaction is that they're like kind of like going after her. I'm not really sure why. And she just said, you know what? Um, I mean, a million dollars for Kim Kardashian. It's like, go ahead. I didn't, if I were her, I'd say, look, there's the, I said ad right there. You know I do this stuff. I'm an influencer. And they're like, okay, but we're going to make a, an example out of you. That's what it looks well, like. We should also say Gary Gensler has a post now out uh, on Twitter this morning. Uh, I don't know if it says ad on it, uh, but uh, he's got an ad uh, out there talking about this settlement and also effectively telling folks uh, what to do in terms of how influencers should be posting about this. And uh, we're going to be talking to Gary Gensler in just a little bit about it. Just it just seems like the thing you're always talking about, and that is who's trading on, on some info like congressional trading or the Fed or whomever you want to pick. That seems a lot, you know, I might be a little bit more interested in that if I were Gary Gensler than in... Well, we'll talk to him uh, about uh, it. I mean, but that goes, that's why I said when you think about Mr. Saylor, of course, uh, from MicroStrategy, who's been promoting Bitcoin. Obviously, he's got a huge amount of Bitcoin on his balance sheet. You know, when he posts things. Yeah, there's people who probably have a lot more skin in the game. A lot more at stake in it than, like, uh, than Kim Kardashian. And so it's sort of, it's an interesting, it's an interesting but, one to think about. By the way, this has gotten more headlines and more attention of course. just in the half hour since this has come out. So if you do want to make a case of it, this is this the way is to do it. This is how you do it. Joining us right now to talk about it all in an exclusive interview is Chair Gary Gensler. Gary, it's great to see you this morning. Uh, help us understand why you brought this case and why you settled it. Um, thank you, Andrew. It's good to be with you. Look, Congress passed a law many decades ago called the Securities Act, and it was to protect the public. And part of that law said that if you tout a stock, you need to disclose not only that you're getting paid, but also the amount, so the source and the nature of those payments. And so this was to protect the public when folks, and this law was passed in the 1930s, We've brought these types of cases over the, the decades, but even in the last five years with regard to crypto, it's really important that the public understand if somebody is touting a crypto security token, uh, that uh, are they getting paid and how much are they getting paid? And we brought a case a number of years ago, I think four, four years ago against Floyd uh, Mayweather, against uh, DJ uh, Khalid, uh, Steve Seagal, uh, an actor, uh, and others over the years. So this is, um, unfortunately, it's another time that we brought Chair, a case Chair Gensler, like explain this, though, because I think that there's probably lots of questions in the public, in the influencer space, social media, about the distinctions that are being made here. It, our understanding is, at least from the posts that I've seen uh, from Kim Kardashian, that seems to be the one in question, she had what's called a hash, hashtag ad uh, under the post, which is something that a lot of influencers do to identify, in fact, that this is a promotional post. Um, why does that not count in this instance? Is it simply that she has to actually disclose the amount of money she's receiving? And how does that differ 
for example, from others who make similar posts, who may own, in fact, uh, different cryptos or other securities and promoting them. I'm thinking of Michael Saylor uh, from MicroStrategies, who has a huge stake in this, has been out promoting on, uh, online and elsewhere. Or you could even talk about an Elon Musk, who's talked about Dogecoin. Uh, they may not be uh, being paid specifically cash to promote those things, but they have such a large investment in them that they have even more at stake, frankly. So let me talk about the core and I think why this is in the securities laws. You're, you're right that if you're advertising perfume or you're advertising vacation homes or, or anything else on the internet, there are various laws related to that. But these are the securities laws. And those other laws might be appropriate to just say hashtag ad. But in the securities laws, Congress put in place that you have to disclose not only that you're getting paid, but the amount, nature of it. And this was really to protect the investing public when somebody is touting a stock, and whether that's a celebrity, an influencer, uh, or the like. And, and that's at the core of what this is and about. So if you and see we've an brought ad, these cases in the past. Right. Chair Gensler, if you were to see an ad, and I think we all did during the Super Bowl, for example, with Matt Damon around crypto, um, I don't know if in the fine print of that ad, it said how much he was being paid personally to promote that. Would that be something that would be required? Uh, I, I'm not going to get into, Andrew, I understand the question. I'm not going to get into any other specific circumstances, but it always depends on the facts and the circumstances and the anti-touting uh, provisions of the act. But, but I guess what's the distinction? If, if, if we were to see an ad on television, an ad in print, uh, with a picture of an actor, an actress, uh, an individual of any sort that's being paid anything, a model, uh, are they supposed to uh, specifically disclose the amount of money that that model or, or, or actor or whomever is being paid? In this circumstance, and let me say, I, I, I want to acknowledge uh, Ms. Kardashian has been cooperating and ongoing cooperation, and we really appreciate that. But in this particular case, this is about an influencer, a high-profile celebrity, on their Instagram site, putting out a tout for this token, Ethereum Max, which is a security uh, we've determined. And so those are the facts and circumstances here. And it's important for the investing public to understand, also, this is a highly speculative asset class. And so when a celebrity or influencer is touting it, it's important that the public understands that relationship and are they getting paid and how much they're getting paid on their Instagram site. That's what this was about. Uh, Chair Gensler, we helpful. have a statement from, from Ms. Kardashian's lawyer, and I, I want to read it in a moment. Uh, but I want to ask you a separate question because a lot of people are focused on it this morning. You have determined in this case that Ethereum Max is a security. And that unto itself is interesting because there are questions about whether firms like Coinbase uh, are exchanges uh, or whether they are broker dealers because of this issue of securities and whether all of these things are now consistent or not. So there's about 10,000 tokens, crypto tokens, and uh, the investing public is investing, hoping for a better future. An agency, the Securities and Exchange Commission, was put in place to protect the public in those circumstances. When you're hoping for a better future, you're investing in something, anticipating profits based upon the efforts of others. And that's what we found in this case with Ethereum Max. And to your question, 
I think, and my predecessor thought this as well, that most of these tokens are in fact that, that the public is investing, anticipating and hoping for a profit based on somebody else's efforts. And yes, those various intermediaries are likely uh, need to register as either broker-dealers or exchanges, as you said. Chair Gensler, we had Chairman Rostin Benham from the CFTC on with us last week, and he made the point that he Good thinks man. The, C- yeah, the CFTC should be regulating all of these things. When, when you start to build up, I guess, some case law, some examples of people who have agreed to settle with you like this, does that make the case more firm that the SEC would then be the place where these are all regulated? Look, our agency is an agency that oversees this basic bargain. When a group of entrepreneurs is raising money from the public and the public's anticipating a profit, they need disclosure, full, fair, and truthful disclosure. And that's the core bargain in our capital markets. You get to take the risk, but the person raising money or the persons raising money has to disclose various information to you. That seems how our capital markets work best. The SEC is very good at this, and that's what we do. And the case law is clear on this. The law is clear. I believe, based on the facts and circumstances, most of these tokens are securities. Chair Gensler, uh, one more question on this, and then I want to pivot the conversation for a moment. I got an email this morning from the head of an advertising agency who said, please ask Chair Gensler to very explicitly explain what the rules are, both for social media and for all sorts of other media, as we make determinations about what kind of disclosure we have to make if, in fact, we're going to be promoting, and this becomes more complicated, whether it's security or how you determine Bitcoin or some other crypto uh, to be. So for those advertising agency executives who are watching you right now, what would you tell them? I would tell them that they should read the securities laws and and, uh, 17B, the anti-touting law, has been on the books for a long time. And they know, the advertising executive, with all respect, they know that if somebody is out promoting a security, they've got to disclose not only that they're being paid, but how much they're being paid and particularly in crypto, if you thought about it, Mr. or Miss Advertising Executive, highly speculative asset, why is it that somebody's having that celebrity uh, put something on their Instagram site? It's to, to gain attention, bring people in. If somebody's paying them, that's an important piece of information, and Congress is the one that laid out these laws. Chair Gensler, I want to pivot the conversation. I do also want to read a statement from Ms. Kardashian's lawyer uh, who says that Ms. Kardashian is pleased to have resolved this matter with the SEC. Kardashian fully cooperated with the SEC from the beginning, and she remains willing to do whatever she can to assist the SEC uh, in this matter. She wanted to get this matter behind her to avoid a protracted dispute. The agreement she reached with the SEC allows her to do so so that she can move forward with her many uh, different business pursuits. And, of course, uh, we just heard you thank her uh, for, for settling this case. Let me ask you about the other big issue, though, uh, that I think a lot of people in the markets are confronting this morning, which is uh, what you think about Credit Suisse this morning. There's lots of speculation. Again, this is speculation that's online, in print, and elsewhere. Uh, they don't have hashtag ad on them. Uh, but how concerned are you uh, about liquidity issues and the stability of the marketplace and, and Credit Suisse specifically, if you could? Well, let me step away from the, the specifics of any one company. And I think your viewers understand I can't comment on any one company. But we're in uncertain times, uh, a, a war continuing in, in Eastern Europe, uh, uh, 
various uh, changes in the marketplace, highly volatile, as we just saw last week in the United Kingdom in the gilt market. That's their sovereign debt markets, uh, 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 very volatile. And so in these times, it's really important that an agency like ours sort of redouble our efforts on resiliency, financial stability. And that's why we have numerous projects, uh, ongoing projects, to heighten the resiliency of our U.S. Treasury market or our money market funds or our bond funds or something as boring as shortening the settlement cycle to one day from two days. So these are the projects we're working on. But for the investing public, uh, we're going to make every effort to, to uh, lower those risks of uh, financial stability risk where we can, but these are ongoing projects that don't speak to your one company that uh, but, oh, let me I ask you then to. more specifically, in terms of the stability in the market, systemic risk, uh, people have talked about the possibility of a Lehman moment. Uh, can you speak specifically though uh, to this weekend? Were you on the phone talking to folks about uh, concerns in Europe, at least broadly, uh, around uh, banks uh, in that region? I had nice conversations with my daughter, whose birthday was this weekend, but I think that's about all I could tell you about my weekend, Andrew. Okay. Uh, Chair Gensler, we appreciate you, you joining us uh, this morning uh, to talk to us about uh, this, uh, this settlement with uh, Kim Kardashian and social media, and we appreciate it and look forward to talking again very soon. Thank you. Thank you. Now is the time to embrace a new wave of workers. Every day, your team grows younger, more digital, and more drawn to entirely new ways of working, which means you need flexible solutions to connect them where business gets done. T-Mobile for Business was born digital. With America's largest 5G network, we can make it easier to work together from virtually anywhere. Your team may be changing, but with the right tech, it can be more productive than ever before. Get started at T-Mobile.com slash now. That does it for Squawk Pod today. Thank you for listening today as always. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 a.m. Eastern. To get the smartest takes and analysis from our full three-hour TV show right into your ears here in a 30-minute podcast, follow Squawk Pod wherever you're listening now. We'll meet you back here tomorrow. We are clear. Thanks, guys. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.